Hi, everyone. Welcome to Six Figure Authors, the show that helps you take your writing career to the next level. I'm Andrea Pearson, and I'm here with my co-hosts. I'm Joe Lalo. And I'm Lindsay Baroker. And it's been a while again since we released an episode. Um, as we've mentioned in the past, we're not going to be doing them weekly. We're just doing them whenever we feel like doing them. <laughs> but uh, we wanted to recap how last year went, uh, taking our mistakes or things that didn't go well and applying them to the coming year. And we'll also discuss our goals and our marketing plans, writing plans, all of that for 2023. And then we're going to finish by briefly discussing AI and what we're thinking about it when it comes to writing and authors, because that's kind of like one of the things that people are talking about right now, which we're grudgingly talking about too. <laughs> um, anyway, so let's go ahead and give a recap of last year and one or two mistakes that didn't go well and how you plan to apply lessons learned to the coming year. And Lindsay, let's start with you. All right. Well, we are recording this. It's an interesting time, right? As banks are being bailed out in, <laughs> in Europe and the US. So interesting times to be a self-employed person or in business for yourself. I just did my taxes, so I actually know exactly how last year went. And surprisingly, it went quite well, largely because it the first half was really strong. And then I managed to <laughs> hold things together in the second half. Um, I made a little more last year than in previous years while actually spending less on expenses, book covers and advertising. Uh, it wasn't a conscious decision to cut back on advertising, but other than a standalone that did well and a series I launched in November that's doing well, I didn't have a lot of new stuff to advertise. I usually only do book ones uh, of new releases or things that are kind of have a entire series out and have proven that they convert well. So I actually did two standalones last year that were related, but not part of a series. And the first one did great. <laughs> I was like, Ooh, this is so cool. I'm going to do another one. And the second one kind of bombed, whereas, uh, only my diehard fans bought it and I couldn't even spend what I wanted for on advertising it. It was a case of the first one. I didn't really consciously make the decision, but the first one was just exactly to the tropes that were popular for the fantasy, high fantasy romance. And the second one was the opposite, kind of flipping the trope. And boy, like I said, only the hardcore fans were interested in that. So it's just a reminder that you don't have to write to market or consciously follow the genre tropes, but selling books is easier when you do that. And um, after the second one didn't do so well, that I launched that one right around July 4th, which you should not do also. But I had a pretty big drop off in sales and earnings after that. And part of it was I was coming from a high from the, the previous one. So it was more dramatic, like, oh, that's dropping off quite a bit, uh, you know, percentage wise. And so that made me think, like, gosh, what's going on? Is it all that it was a bad release or, you know, this was going into the second half of 2022. So it's like, oh, is some of it looming recession, world events, et cetera. And, and we talked about that on our last podcast. It may have been a little bit of that, but I later learned that Amazon had changed things with categories in, I believe it was about September. And I think that was part of it too. I am launching new books exclusive with Amazon and in KU. So that's definitely a big chunk of my income. I do still have stuff wide, uh, but that that's not making so much that <laughs> if it drops off a little bit, I'm like, oh, that's a big deal. Um, so they made it so a book can only appear in three categories. And I believe that's still true. And I don't think that's a bad idea. But their algorithms will pick the three categories. So if you're somebody that emailed in and said, hey, can you put me in like 10 categories, which is the maximum or used to be, your book might only show up in 
it's, it's only going to show up in three categories now, and it might not show up where you think it should, like where you think you have the best shot of ranking and showing up in the top 100 lists. And that does seem reasonable on the surface. Like I don't, uh, I'm not mad at them about it. But for example, my high, fi- high fantasy romance showed up in epic fantasy and swords and sorcery when it was definitely more romance and it didn't show up in fantasy romance at that point. So that was one of the big drop-offs in, in sales for that particular book. So I'm a little skeptical about their algorithm. I believe it's supposed to go on like what people are clicking on most in which categories or something like that, but that may not be necessarily best for you and your book. So long story short, I'm only picking three categories for books going forward. I think I did go and ask them to take that one out of some of the categories too, but I have some, you know, guys, I have like over a hundred novels out there, so I'm not going to bother with the other ones, but going forward, I'll just pick three categories so that I get to make sure they show up in the ones where I think they most belong. And I've never been somebody that put, puts them in tons of categories where they don't fit or like it's a real stretch to include them. But uh, definitely some of the fantasy stuff can fit in more than three. So I've requested that in the past. And I definitely have other books, especially my sci-fi, where it really only fits in space opera or maybe Galactic Empire too. So I may only have one or two I can fit it in. So sometimes that's the case too. So that's kind of one mistake, just not following the categories and kind of, I kind of checked out and wasn't following the Facebook groups and author groups and stuff and keeping track. So I was slow to react to that. Um, another mistake I had is that because I had the success with the standalone, that was just a fun side project. I decided to do another standalone instead of sort of sticking with my tried and true formula of writing in series, series with unresolved romantic stuff, a mystery plot that's, you know, stretched across the series. So it keeps readers wanting to see what happens. So they, once they buy one, they're sucked in, hopefully. So when I launched my latest series, uh, Legacy of Magic, Urban Fantasy in November, I went back to my roots there and I put the first three out kind of back to back and that brought things back in line with my income. I actually had the my highest earnings month ever in January and it was not so much only on the that series like that series did fine not as well as some others uh, but better than others you know so kind of average but it was because it was a spin-off of my other urban fantasy series Death Before Dragons that had has nine books in it, 10 if you count the prequel. So I've been able to funnel readers of the new series into the old series. And then because the old series was getting more visibility, people found that and that led them to the new series. And to help things along, I made the first three books of the old series, 99 cents. And I've just left them there for several months. And the, the one through three bundle, 299. And I started up ads again on the bundle and the book one. Not nearly as much, you know, it's harder to spend on the older releases that aren't kind of getting you know, new release tags and aren't as exciting, I guess. But um, I am spending a little bit on that. But anyway, the long story short, that's my phrase for today, apparently. It, it's been a synergistic release with the old series and the new spinoff series. And I know you guys are like, well, duh. <laughs> I try to do that all the time, right? But um, it's my first time doing a spinoff series in KU where the original series was also still in KU. I had had a spinoff series do well before, but the other original series was wide. It had always only been wide. And so the bump wasn't as noticeable. You know, you tend to get the people that if they're in KU, they only check out the KU books. And, you know, that's that's fine for some people. Hopefully you still get sales. I am seeing right now that people are skewing more towards reads than purchases like i've I've get getting fewer pre-orders on this series even though it's making me more money overall than 
uh, a lot of other series have done. And I think that one in particular is kind of the economy and macro concerns weighing on people. I think people are probably cutting back a little bit on purchases right now, but holding on to their subscriptions since those are a good value for them. So I think they'll give up like Kindle Unlimited last. And um, I will still be moving things wide, but I'm going to go ahead and remember this and keep th- anything where I think, oh, I might do a spinoff series of that. I'll probably leave that for the time being or put it back in if it got taken out of KU. All right. I'm even thinking of a third spinoff series in this universe. And now that I've talked for 10 minutes, I will let Joe and Andrea give their uh, summaries of the year. All right. Well, uh, so yeah, for me, 2022 was a very bad year. Uh, Like Lindsay, I just did my taxes not too long ago. And so I can say with certainty that it was in fact my worst year in a decade, Uh, narrowly beating out, the previous, uh, you know, holder of that position, which was the previous year, which equals a trend. I'm trending downward. And I've mentioned this in, in other podcasts uh, along the way. Uh, so some of you will notice, you know, before I go into the specifics uh, of why it was bad, I'm going to go into the year in terms of releases. Like, just what did I do this year? Uh, I technically had five releases in 2022. Three of them were the second volumes of my collected editions for my original three series. So books uh, four, five, six of Book of Deacon, Free Wrench, and Big Sigma. And, you know, that's not going to be a, uh, it's not going to burn up the charts as a new release. Like that, that, those are only appealing to people who own the first three books or the first collection, but don't own the next three books. So I wasn't expecting much out of those and they met those expectations. Uh, the other two releases were books four and five of the Greater Land Saga, which is my newer epic fantasy. Uh, late series books that were already not in particularly rapid release, and already the, the the series itself was sort of flat, also not likely to have a huge release. So it makes sense that I didn't have a particularly successful year with, with those as my, my release slate. Um, I did succeed in putting out uh, 12 new shorts for my Patreon. And that means that I have another short story collection I'm going to be able to uh, to put out. But that's going to be this year. Obviously, it wasn't last year. Uh, but yeah, the main, so the main, I say that about how the books weren't setting me up for success, but the really the main issue for this year, or last year rather, and the last few years has been me. So starting a couple of years ago, my mental motor started to sputter. Um, I found myself having a harder time getting everything I need to do done. So I started making writing the top priority. So you can't sell a product if you don't have a product. And uh, that meant that my already somewhat lax advertising um, started to slide a little bit more. Like I always did enough advertising. I never really dumped a whole lot of money into it because I just preferred, uh, you know, again, to be putting out new stuff and keeping my, the craft as my focus. But so I went from going doing enough advertising to not doing enough advertising and uh, also not doing enough business building, like, you know, building my newsletter and stuff like that. I just all of that effort was going into writing books. Uh, and, you know, as what I think can rightly be considered a degree of depression started to take hold, things started to slip further. And it was getting more and more difficult for me to get even the writing done. Um, Everything was starting to suffer. I normally do about three book edit slots like scheduled, and then I have two to three more that I sort of pick up along the way. So I typically have, you know, five plus book releases. Last year, I only put out two new books. Um, so you can tell how that was going. So I was scrambling to like meet my pre-scheduled uh, deadlines with the editors. Lower output, reduced marketing makes earnings slides speed up. Uh, seeing my earnings, my my livelihood start to slip, 
didn't do my attitude any good. So we got into a little bit of a spiral there. Uh, so long story short, I have not been fully functional for quite some time, and the results have become quite obvious to me. Uh, so the lesson that I would take from that is if your mental health is becoming a problem, make that your priority before it starts to take everything else with it. And faithful listeners to the show will note that I have actually made that observation in the past. So we also have the the trend of me knowing the right thing to do, but not being able to do it. So that's a pathology that I'm sure somebody would, would, would love to study. Um, anyhow, because of all of that, uh, I've decided that it like my, my solution to this problem is it's time to get a day job. Uh, I actually officially got hired two days ago. Like I have a day job. I, I haven't started it yet. Uh, and I'm going to, until I can get my head straight and start doing the things that we teach you to do on this podcast, uh, I think it's best to have something else paying the bills. I'm hoping that by taking the pressure off the books to perform, I can get my anxiety under control and start to revive things. And if not, then I'll just be an office guy who puts books out every now and then, like I was for the first four years of my author career. And maybe it'll come back, maybe it won't. But I'm going to try not to stress about it because it turns out stress probably the reason all this happened. So, so that's where I am. I I totally get you with that. Like my, I mean, I, I'll get into it in a little bit, but yeah, burnout is a huge, huge issue and the anxiety and the stress. And plus being on this podcast doesn't help, honestly. Like I'm like, I'm a six figure author, but I'm not, <laughs> you know? Well, and I just want to add to that. That's so common with mental stuff. It's like, you know, the problem and you know what you need to do, but it's like when your brain chemistry is not there, you know, it's hard. You can't just fix it. And other people on the outside are like, dude, just fix it. Just do this. It's like, you can't, it's, it's a challenge. The anyway. button is missing from my control panel. Unfortunately, <laughs> the reboot, the shutdown and restart not working. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Like, um, with, with surgeries and, and having my babies, like I get really bad postpartum depression. And I mean, there's just a lot of things that affect emotions and writing is one of those really high level things that it's for me, it's the highest brain thing I do. And if I'm not there emotionally or mentally, I just can't, I can't do it. Um, anyway, so last year went about as I expected it to, which was good and bad, right? Because I knew that going into it, that things were going to be pretty tough. And, um, my goodness, I'm getting emotional. <laughs> like This is weird. <laughs> anyway. Um, anyway, so uh, I released three books. I'm going to, I'm going to wrap my emotions and I'm going to be like, you know, I'm going to put a poker face on kitten pictures. <laughs> Lindsay just. <laughs> yeah, Joe was the one that said he was going to get emotional. And I said, we'd roll out some kitten pictures for the YouTube people if we needed to take a moment. Yeah. That's why I was like, and I'm the one that's getting emotional. <laughs> anyway. Um, so the first half was good and the second half was bad. Um, like I said, though, I expected it to go that way just because I knew, I mean, I have health problems and I, and Nolan was having issues. We were both in physical therapy for, you know, Nolan was in physical therapy for a year before he had a surgery and I was in it for six months before having mine. Um, and so I knew going, I knew ahead of time that things were going to be rough. Um, but the first book, the, or sorry, the first year, the half of the year did go well. Um, I released three books during that time. Two of them did really, really well. The third didn't do super well, as I've mentioned in the past. Falling for Dr. Nelson more than made up for that third book. Um, that title ended up carrying my royalties on the romance side for months after I've turned off ads. 
Um, and as I mentioned in our last episode, I pulled my readers and found that the trope I'd chosen for falling for Dr. Winters was the least wanted trope from my readers, which in, in, and I've discovered that when my readers don't want something, general readers also don't want that. So um, right off the bat with that book, I was pushing something that they weren't interested in reading, which kind of sucks, right? <laughs> and normally I'd say like if you're producing a book a month uh, or a ton of books, then it doesn't really matter if you have one of them be an offshoot, right? Um, but when you're only doing two to three novels per year, you can't afford to have one book flop and just and not have it seriously, seriously affect you, your business. Um, on the other hand, I accidentally fell into luck with falling for Dr. Nelson by choosing a mashup of the two tropes that my readers mentioned wanting the most. And I, I did the poll after releasing falling for Dr. Winters. And, um, so falling for Dr. Nelson did really, really well. And falling for Dr. Winters did really, really poorly. And so I was like, okay, so I need to ask my readers, you know, so I just, I, I waited a little while so they wouldn't feel like I was doing it because the book did poorly. You know, I asked my readers and they're like, these are, I gave them a bunch of different top romance tropes or just a bunch of romance tropes I'd heard of and just wanted to hear, you know, without giving them any ideas of why I was asking. Anyway, so I, like I said, I accidentally fell into luck with uh, falling for Dr. Nelson. Um, the last ha half of the year performed per poorly on the book side due to medical issues between Nolan and me. Um, he had his torn rotator cuff repaired in July and I had a, a two partial tears in my shoulders, the shoulder that got repaired in November. And then my knee, um, we had torn and damaged cartilage removed for my knee in, in, um, December and, and found out that I've got cracks in my bones. I've got some very, very severe arthritis. And my doctor's like, chances of you making to 50 without total knee replacement are probably 20%. So um, anyway, so recovery from both all three of those surgeries is really tough, um, especially for me because I've had so many surgeries. My my uh, anesthesiologist explained to me that the more surgeries you have, you have the longer it takes for that, that medication to get out of your system. And I had back-to-back -back surgeries and so my residual brain fog has been quite extensional, um, existential, exis it's been big. <laughs> so, um, anyway, so I knew from experience that that would happen because I've had back-to-back -back surgeries before. And so on heading into that, I turned off the guilt. I turned off all emotions where writing was concerned because I knew that if I, if I made myself feel guilty for not writing, that my recovery would be longer emotionally. And so instead I focus on other aspects of my business, which is not my writing business, but my business that makes money. So the whole business, the umbrella that covers everything I do that make money. And so I focus on my YouTube channels. <laughs> so I've got, I've got three YouTube channels that are monetized right now. Um, anyway, so my gaming one is the one that is making the most money right now, which gaming apparently is one of the genres in on YouTube, one of the categories that makes the least amount of money. So I'm like, well, I'm making money, but if I were doing a different category, I'd be making more money. <laughs> but anyway, so it's, it's doing better. And, and gaming is something I can do while I'm getting over my brain fog and same with building stuff. And so I've got a DIY channel that I post videos of me building things. So I'm like, if I'm going to be building and playing games, I might as well record myself doing those things and upload them. And, um, Anyway, so I've, I already mentioned this, but writing requires a higher level of thinking for me than pretty much everything else I do. And it's been really nice to feel productive even when I'm not producing books. Um, the biggest thing I regret from 2022 was turning off ads for falling for Dr. Nelson. Uh, I was worried about saturation and finances. I was worried that I was running the course on that, which I mean, honestly, I wasn't even close to that, but I still worry about that. 
my rule has always been that the business will pay for business. Uh, the business will pay for itself, but I was running really high ads. And even though my royalties in the first half of the year were good, they weren't what they've been in the past. Um, and I went through business money pretty quickly. I should have borrowed from our personal finances, but again, I didn't want to, I'm like, it's really hard to know how much to put into, you know, the business and without knowing that you're going to be getting that back. You know, I don't know. I just get really antsy and really nervous about running out of business money. And then especially running out of finance, personal money, especially, I mean, we ended up having a lot of car problems. So kind of glad I didn't in a way because we needed that money for other things. But, um, I also wish that I had anyway. So my regret was turning off ads. I should have dropped it down to $50 a day, uh, for a while and just let it just keep going for a long time. Uh, and it would have made a really big difference in the long term, but that book is still my easiest selling book ever. And like Lindsay said, selling books that readers want in general is so much easier than selling books that readers don't want. <laughs> you can, you don't have to push the barrel, the the barrel, the boulder up the hill. You can just let it fall as you gently coax it. And um, that's something that I've, I've discovered with falling for Dr. Nelson. Anyway, so that's pretty much it for me. I mean, just turning off ads was my biggest regret on that book. And I don't, I don't regret not writing. I'm glad that I was, I gave myself that brain space to recover because I didn't do that back in 2019. When we first started the podcast was when we discovered that my toddler was having all sorts of health issues and I was dealing with a lot of depression and anxiety. And I still pushed, I pushed really hard to get my Midnight Chronicles released. I don't know you guys who've been listening to the podcast will remember I had all these pre-orders set up for those and I did not make those pre-orders. I ended up canceling it and my brain my, that, that meltdown, that brain freeze, it was just, it was epic. And so this time around, I'm like, I can't, I can't afford to go there again. And so leading into my two surgeries, I was like, just no pressure, just take all the pressure off. And that, that has helped. So there we go. One um, of the okay. hard things I'll just add before we switch topics. <laughs> it is one of the nice things actually about having, when you get to the point where you have multiple books and multiple series is you will learn there are some that are not worth advertising because they're just, you may think they're to the market, but you just kind of find out like that blurb. And I've, I've changed blurbs too, uh, based on like how the ads are doing. So you can try that, but I've definitely found that some series are just like, that one's always worth spending money to advertise that one. This one, you know, maybe you put out, you do some sponsored posts or something when you have a new release in it, but it's probably not worth running Amazon ads on because those are very expensive. And it's hard to know, even now that they include page reads for those in KU, it's really hard to know how much those ads are helping sometimes. You can kind of get a feel, but unless you turn them off and then your income goes down drastically. And But you don't know right away because sometimes the ads, people are going to read later the stuff they picked up from the ad, you know, especially if you're relying on the page reads. But uh, I do like to say to people, if you only have one series or one book and it doesn't seem to be working with the ads, that doesn't mean ads don't work. You just, this may not be the series for you. So keep writing, <laughs> do more stuff, stick with it, and you'll get it eventually. If You'll have something that's like more, that clicks with the audience and is easier to advertise. Yeah, no, that's really true. I mean, like that. Yeah, I just it was just unbelievable to me how easy it was for falling uh, for me to get readers to download falling for Dr. Nelson compared to a lot of my fantasy titles, because I generally don't do tropes. Just I've discovered that fantasy and me, I can't do tropes. So if I want to write fantasy, I'm just going to write what I'm passionate about. But romance is a lot easier for me to hit tropes, you know, because I read romance so much. And, and as Lindsay says in the comments, tropes are huge in romance and you got to, I mean, if you're hitting them right, then, you know, 
it's easier <laughs> than if you're not. And romance is a lot easier to sell if you're hitting them right and a lot harder to sell if you're not. Anyway, okay, so what writing plans do you guys have for 2023? All right, well, for me, I'm going to be finishing this spinoff series. I'm working on book six now. It wasn't going to be six books, but I may need a couple more books to wrap things up. I've The characters are really connected with my readers. They like them and I'm enjoying them. So it's, it's no um, hard <laughs> thing to do a couple more books with them. And I may do a fun, either a new installment in an old series or a one-off this summer, not having any expectations for the standalone to do well this time. Um, and then in the second half of the year, I will do another series. I haven't decided if it's going to be more urban fantasy because I am thinking of doing a third series in this universe and just doing it again, you know, advertising the book ones and the other series. But I may kind of let it simmer for a while and do something else first. It, it is, I am having the experience right now of like the epic fantasy that I did last year and the year before, you know, like that was a lot of work. Some of those books were 200,000 words and my space operas also tend to be, they were 150,000 in the end and have all these POVs and multiple storylines going on. And here I'm having the experience of this urban fantasy. Their books are about 80, 85,000 words, one POV, so much easier to write. And, hey, this series is making more than either the lot, the epic fantasy or the space opera did. So there's always a temptation like, Hmm, which I just do the easier thing. Um, but I'm not always good at like many writers. I think it's marrying trying to do enough of the business stuff, right. But also making your muse happy. So we'll see what the muse wants to do in a few more months. So for me, uh, already this year, I've released the sixth and what was supposed to be the final book in the greater land saga. I released that back in January. Um, apparently I'm not done because people have told me that they have lots of questions that they would like me to answer. So there might be a seventh book, but it's not in my to-do list just yet. I have two books edited and ready to go. Um, an unexpected seventh book in the Big Sigma series, which was supposed to be an, uh, an episodic I was going to be releasing on the side. And I just decided to do it all at once and, and make it a single book. Um, that's got to cover almost finished. Uh, he has to do some finishing touches on it. So that might be up for pre-order soon. Um, my next release, uh, after that is, um, I wrote another, uh, uh, the other eight, my superhero thing. I wrote another one of those and I'm probably going to do that this year as well. Although we'll talk a little bit in marketing about that. And, uh, I have another edit slot. I don't know what's going to be in it. If I listen to my readers, my readers would very much like me to write the sequel to the prequel to uh the the book of deacon which is just going to be a that's going to you know what this will be the year of not caring how books sell since i'm going to have a job <laughs> so i'll just put out all the stuff that marketing would be a nightmare for uh so yeah that's that's where that's where i where i with that i have a lot of weird marketing stuff i'm going to be doing too so we'll talk about that in the next bit almost forgot how to unmute myself <laughs> i'm like uh <laughs> anyway uh yeah um this is a great time to re write and release stuff that's not going to sell. Like, I love that. Um, okay. So that's kind of, I don't know. That's, that's a little bit where I am as well. Um, as of right now, I don't have any plans because I don't want that pressure on me, you know, to be like, Oh, this is going to be the big release. This is going to be it guys. Um, I honestly don't know what I'm going to be writing next. And I've thought about it a little bit here and there, but I haven't 
force myself to think about it. So I'm slowly piecing together a romance series I've had in the back of my mind, my mind since 2011. I don't necessarily want it to be the first thing I write after I'm back in the writing saddle again, though, just because it's, it's a really big series to me. And I just want to make sure I'm ready for it. And I don't want to write it when I have the risk of burning out and not giving it the attention it needs. And so, and, or, um, not having, yeah, the attention it needs basically not being able to write more books in that series or advertise it the way I need to and making it a big, big book launch. Um, anyway, so, um, in the meantime, I'm still reading my fantasy books so I can finish my midnight chronicles, which is one I know is not going to sell. And so now is a great time for me to write something I know is not going to sell. <laughs> uh, I'm, and I'm casually brainstorming another romance series that I might release before I do my, that other romance series I was talking about. And, and this one would be a mashup. I'm trying to make both of them be a mashup of the of the genres that my readers want the most of. Anyway, so um, I'm lucky in that Nolan makes good money and we don't need book royalties, but that does not, it's just not satisfying. Like I'm a writer. I, I want to be writing. I mean, even with the brain fog and the, the things on my plate right now, I want to be writing. I want life to calm down so I can be writing. But um, it, it with his income, it does reduce the pressure I feel to produce. And honestly, my time of life right now is not the best to be running a business, at least not with the choices Nolan and I've made. So basically we chose to homeschool our kids. Uh, if my kids were in school, I would have a lot more free time, but we chose to homeschool. And so with all three kids home all the time that I mean, it's really hard to keep the house clean when your kids are constantly making it messy. And so I spent a lot of time taking care of them, you know, preparing food for them, cleaning up for them with their help, of course, um, taking care of our cats and our chickens and Homeschool, homeschool itself is not a huge time suck, but getting the kids ready for it is. And my, anyway, I don't want to get into a whole lot of stuff, but there's just a lot of stuff on the home front right now. Um, and you know, with maintenance and things like that, that are going on. And, and I was just going to tell you everything that's going on. I'm not going to tell you everything that's going on, but suffice to say, there's a lot of stuff on my personal life that no one can take care of, but me. And, uh, even, even with Nolan helping out, somebody has to take responsibility for it. And that is me. And so writing is not my, my biggest goal right now. And I'm, I'm grateful that we're not doing the podcast weekly because it, it does, it relieves that pressure to have something positive to tell, tell you guys every single week, because with how slowly I'm writing right now, I can't be like, Hey, I wrote a new book. I can't be a Lindsay. <laughs> By the way, in the last week, since we talked to you, I wrote and released a new book <laughs> that, that can't be, that can't be me right now. Um, Anyway, so right now I'm really narrowing in on my own mental health. Um, as I mentioned, I love Joe's comment about making that your number one priority with everything going on in my life right now. I just, I can't, I can't put too much pressure on myself right now. I can't afford to push hard on books, um, at least not without the risk of burning out. And my biggest burnout ever happened after we discovered my toddler had tons of health issues and he's still dealing with those. And with other problems, it's just better for me to focus on, you know, the home front. So uplifting and exciting for listeners. But those of you who are in the same place, guys, it's okay to give yourself permission to not write books. Well, I do want to give a shout out to you and all the parents out there with kids at home. Just amazing if you're finishing any books at all and getting stuff out there. I just adopted a new dog and I'm like, how soon can I put this dog in dog daycare? You know, and I'm like, wow, kids like even more, you know. I don't know. This dog is pretty crazy, high energy, but you know, it's like, it's such a uprooting of your life. And it is hard, the writing, the being in the creative mind, that's hard to do when you have a lot of distractions and you have to go run off every five minutes to see if your 
child or your fur child is destroying the house because it got suspiciously quiet. Yeah, no, seriously, I warned Lindsay and Joe, I've got all the distractions I need for my toddler if he comes screaming into this room for him to sit right here, play on the tablet while we finish recording this because they're just, yeah, there's there's constant interruptions. And this kid is extreme extrovert, which I'm like, my poor mom having to deal with me. <laughs> like, he, I don't get anything done. Like, he's the hardest, he is the hardest thing that I have to deal with. And he is so much fun and he's very loving and very just so happy all the time, except when he's not and he's screaming. Um, but he, it's, it's hard. And yes, anyway. Um, and Joe, any more comments from you before we move on to the next topic? No, I think we can keep it moving. Okay. Um, okay. So what marketing plans do you guys have for 2023? All right. Back to me. So I'm still finding that the usual things are working for me. You know, keeping the newsletter going, having some bonuses to get people to sign up for the newsletter and running ads on the first books in a new series. So continuing on, you know, but I will say that especially like on the greater business side, not just marketing, I am keeping an eye on what's going on with the world, with Amazon, with AI, with audiobooks. Like I just saw yesterday, I guess uh, Spotify has been making some changes at Findaway Voices and they're getting rid of Author Direct as an example. So authors that were funneling people to that are going to have to do something else, sell on their own site or something. And just you have to, you know, I'm just watching and kind of being mentally prepared, basically, if I do need to pivot at some point. I, I've been like nervous with um, Amazon, like, are they going to stop uh, giving as much into the global fund for KU, uh, you know, or will uh, earnings even go down because more people are using it right now and reading instead of purchasing books. So I'm always aware that that income could take a hit. And I try to have things in mind for what I'll do if that happens. Like I've got the Patreon right now that I could always kick up to a higher gear. I don't promote it a whole lot right now. And I'm keeping Kickstarter in mind, selling direct in mind. Sometimes it's hard to actually make the change when things are still going well. Uh, it's just a, I haven't had these last few years as much mental energy to just go out there and try all the new things as I did probably the first seven, eight years of my author career. I'm uh, settled in and happy where things are, but the world might not always uh, continue to just allow you to do that. So I'm um, just trying to have some contingency plans in mind in, in case I do need to pivot at some point. All right. So for me, uh, at some point, I'm going to make the fix it, fix it, fix it plan to, to, to like get my revive everything that I, that I let slide, but I haven't done that yet. And it's, it's not yet on my, on my to-do list. But uh, so one thing I'm doing is I think I actually skipped it when I was talking about what I'm putting out this year. I am currently writing the fourth book in my abandoned urban fantasy uh, setting, because again, if it's not going to sell, I don't have to worry too much. I can, I can just finally finish out that story. And uh, my sales uh, wide have slid much, much less than my Amazon sales. Like my sales wide are low, but in the past couple of years, they have only dropped, you know, a fraction of what Amazon dropped. So I feel like, and I've also gotten a tremendous number of emails from people who tell me that they have not been buying my new books because they don't, they don't want to buy on Amazon. So uh, and apparently I still have a pretty big wide uh, uh, readership. So I'm probably going to pull my urban fantasy from KU. It's been sitting there for who knows how long. And just sort of treat it as a new release wide with the with the release of the next book. Um, so there's that. Uh, I'm also probably going to do a reader funnel for uh, the Greater Land Saga. Like I have it out, but it's 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 all KU, so I don't have a series starter. So I might finally write the uh, the free entry point to the series and, and see what that does. 
Uh, I'm also planning, I'm just finishing up plans to do a Kickstarter for hardcovers to, for, uh, uh, for Book of Deacon. One of our listeners and someone who I've spoken to a lot in the past sent me a message after the last podcast we did and said that that's a fantastic idea. And so they've been, they've been coaching me through that. Um, so looking forward to doing that and see how that does. And I'm also planning on some re-releases. So Structophis, the Pizza Dragon story, uh, I'm probably going to re-release it under the name Pizza Dragon so that uh thing I call it is what people will search for. <laughs> Maybe do a new cover for it. Um, also, the other eight, I just said that I'm going to be uh, going to be releasing a new one of those this year. Um, when I released the first one, there wasn't really a superhero subgenre that I could put it into, and there weren't really a whole lot of other superhero novels to compare covers to. Now there are. So I can probably brand it in a way that it'll, it's a little bit more obvious and then put out with a new episode, uh, with a new one, uh, see how that does. And also, um, so I'm right now I'm running a story, but there's a story bundle running right now that I curated and it's comic book bundle of all things. So that's, that's the, another little marketing type thing that's going on. Storybundle.com slash comics. It's running until the end of the month, I think, uh, at the end of March 2023, depending on when you're reading this, uh, hearing this. So, uh, yeah, so that's going on. And it's just a bunch of, uh, bunch of artists that I've worked with and a bunch of artists that I hope to work with. Uh, and yeah, so there's that too. I'm marketing that like crazy. I love the pizza dragon thing. <laughs> You're like, it's just going to be called pizza dragon. <laughs> um, Okay, so I am going to be doing a bunch of marketing this year uh, because I've got this huge backlist and I might as well be using it. You know, if I'm not going to be writing new stuff, I might as well be pushing my old stuff. And so I'm going to have my assistant do a lot of that just because I do make back, you know, the money I give her when, you know, for her time and all that. And it's just it's just worth it to me. So I'll be doing um, BookBub features. I've uh, I've got one coming up and then I plan on I plan to have one a month because <laughs> you know i'm just gonna tell them i'm gonna have one a month and then just they're just gonna do it because that's how book bob works <laughs> for some authors <laughs> not me <laughs> anyway now i'll be doing book bob features where they'll accept me and then obviously using my ku free and countdown days i don't always do that every every um quarter whatever they allow you uh and so i want to be taking advantage of that and then also I've got a book bub, um, not a book bub. I've got a book signing coming up, which is kind of crazy because the last one I did was in 2016 and I hate book signings, guys. I'm an extrovert who hates book signings because I don't like selling books. I don't like telling people to buy my books. I'll be like, yeah, if you don't want my book, don't buy it because <laughs> I just, I don't like, I don't like sales. I don't do sales. Anyway, so this one, um, I'm excited to do it. It's with my editor up in Montpelier, Idaho, and uh, she was telling me that that it went really, really well for the authors who've attended and they get a lot of people out to them because she gets a whole lot of authors from all over to go to them. So I'm excited just because I haven't done a lot of author events lately, uh, just to be in an, at an author event again. So we'll see how it goes. And, um, I've got my new, my romances available now. They sell so much easier than my fantasies do. So I'm hoping that, you know, I'll have a good experience at the book signing. And then I'm also going to be using King Sumo to build up my newsletter and, uh, I might eventually start writing my newsletter lists again. <laughs> They're taking a break from everything. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Anybody have any more comments before we move on to AI stuff? Nope. I'm good. Let's talk about the Terminators coming to end the world for authors. I mean, we're going to be positive, right? <laughs> yes. We're going to so, try. Um, I, I, yeah, yeah. I don't have really a whole lot of emotions assigned to AI stuff just because I'm like, I don't, I'm just, my personality is I funnel 
and I don't focus. And so I'm like, well, wow, maybe my job will be going away. That's what I've been thinking this morning. I'm like, oh, well, maybe I won't have a job anymore with writing, but we're going to go ahead and talk about it. So uh, some of our listeners, you guys may have noticed that with the launch of ChatGPT in November and a more stable release at the end of January, a lot of people are concerned and curious about how uh, AI is going to be affecting authors. And I came across an interesting article where uh, and I'll put the link to that in the show. Well, Lindsay will hopefully put a link to that in the show notes. <laughs> anyway, uh, it was an interesting ar- article where an author basically interviewed chat GPT about authors and ro- what role AI might be able to play in the future. And Lindsay, you have to make your comment about politicians because that was funny when it comes to you. It just part. cracked me up because they're asking the AI, will you take over the careers of authors? Oh, no, of course not. <laughs> it sounded like when you're a politician, what will you do in office? And it's like, oh, yeah, didn't do any of that stuff. Yeah, no kidding. I, I, that cracked me up her comment. I was like, that's hilarious. That's true though. Anyway. So, um, yeah, so they, the author basically a, um, interviewed, uh, chat GPT about it and you, you can find that in the show notes, but we're going to discuss a couple, a few of the points mentioned in it just because I was like, okay, so that's a little bit more of a positive outlook than I had on AI and how it will affect authors. Um, anyway, so the, the article, the author of the article did pose the question to chat GPT, whether AI will eventually replace authors and chat GPT's response was basically the, no, it won't because it replicates emotions and experiences that are already out there rather than creating new ones. And we all know that when an author, an author's writing reflects that specific author's experiences in life and their emotions. But um, on the other hand, chat GPT said that AI will be able to create works that are more consistent and more grammatically correct. And Tiffany, the writer of the article, asked ChatGPT how AI can help authors moving forward. And I'm going to go ahead and read ChatGPT's answers and a copy and paste it from the article. So ChatGPT said there are a number of ways that authors might be able to use ChatGPT or other AI language models to assist their writing. So first, idea generation. Authors could use ChatGPT or other AI language models to generate ideas for stories or plot points. The model could be provided with a prompt or theme, and it could generate a list of potential ideas for the author to consider. And the next, it could help with character development. Um, ChatGPT or an AI, I'm just going to say AI, could be used to help authors flesh out their characters by generating descriptions, dialogue, or personality traits. And then also world building AI could um, help authors generate descriptions of settings or to help build out um, the details of their fictional worlds. And then with, and then also last editing and proofreading AI models could be used to assist with editing and proofreading by identifying grammar and spelling errors or suggesting alternative wording. And I wanted to discuss those ideas, but also there are two other ways I thought of where AI might be able to help authors. So first writing descriptions for books and second writing ad copy. Um, and I wanted to know what you guys were thought, your guys' thoughts were on the above. And if there, you guys could think of any other things that AI might be able to help with. Yeah, I, I know from listening to podcasts, I haven't played around with it much myself, but I, I'm following it. I'm listening. I know authors are definitely making use of these uh, tools, like the ad copy thing. You know how I think it's, is it Book Barbarian or maybe Bargain Books? He wants a description for the book that is not the description on Amazon when you submit for a sponsorship. And like, yeah, plug that in and have it just rewrite the description. And there you go. And I, I've heard people say they use it to generate titles, which is probably will be the first time that will be the first thing I do because I hate coming up with titles. That's my one of my weaknesses. And I am looking forward to playing around with some of the ones that do artwork, not cover designers. Like I, I not only do I think I want 
a cover designer to do my covers to do the best quality as possible. But I want to make sure to continue to employ people that, you know, to keep our industry healthy and continue to use editors and cover designers and stuff. But some things I've never, I've never paid for or only a handful of times and gotten kind of lackluster results because you try to hire somebody that they haven't read the book and it, how much can they get from like a description. Uh, but I would love to have like little character sketches or even pictures of clothing or weapons. And I think I could, I'm not very good at describing that stuff, but I feel if you just kept rewriting the prompt, you could get something um, that you could use either in social media posts, just because a lot of times those work better with pictures or things that you could use for yourself in the world building. Like I, I make, I make a big story Bible. And if I describe a uniform, I have to put that in my story Bible somewhere. So I remember what uniform the galactic Imperials are wearing and, Oh, I could just have a nice picture of it that I had the mid journey or whatever the, the art ones are do for me. And um, I could definitely see it getting to the point one day. And I think some people may already be using it for this where the things you don't like in writing, you could probably at least get a uh, kind of a rough, a rough draft by uh, if you funneled like like with me. I have so much, so many books out there that I I could have a really big library to funnel into and say like, hey, write a battle scene in the style of my battle scenes from my science fiction novels, and because that's a thing I I hate writing battle scenes, uh, you know. And if you described it enough, maybe you could get something decent. Uh, we'll see. I haven't played with that personally, so I don't know, but I could see. You know, I know people are already using it as an aid like that to help with the things that um, they want to do faster or they just hate doing and the kinds of things like you wish you could give it to an assistant, but they don't want to do it either. Or you have to spend so much time explaining to them that uh, that it becomes more work than it's worth. Um, so I could definitely see it as a useful tool. So I'll explain on, uh, on this answer a little bit later, but broadly, I think anything that you might use a search engine for, you could use AI for. So research, re uh, reference material, both written and visual, things of that nature. If you need uh, an approximate knowledge of something in any way, shape, or form, AI can potentially be a good way to supply that with the additional functionality of being able to supply the information about things that don't already exist. Uh, but I emphasize approximate information because current AI has a very casual relationship with truth and accuracy. So I wouldn't use it for research if you were like doing a nonfiction book that you need to be absolutely perfect or like a period piece that you need to be absolutely perfect because AI is perfectly fine with just putting words in the order that seem like they should be in that order. And I also say I thought of this be you know quickly, but uh, there's a thing called Character AI, which is a website. It's actually, a lot of things like this, and I can certainly see sort of a, as a marketing thing making an AI version of one of your characters for people to interview. But if you've ever played with that, it will go off the rails in a hurry. It's not that good yet, so maybe that's more of a toy than an actual marketing purpose. That's funny. Um, so. I uh, okay, so I could see AI, AI helping out with editing and proofreading, but I'd never use it to totally replace a professional editor. Um, and there's different reasons. I totally mainly because my professional editor is I'm never going to replace her. I will always work with her. She's absolutely phenomenal. And um, I agree with what Lindsay said. I don't want to be part of the putting people out of business thing. Um, but also, it's uh, just that, that interaction, that one-on-one -on -one interaction. Okay. So let me go on and then I'll get back to that. But it, to me, it could be a great step for a first time author to get a manuscript ready for a professional. And, um, I don't know if that would cost anything. I don't even know anything. Of, I don't know enough about AI to know if it costs you to use it. <laughs> so, I don't know. Anyway, I need to look into it more, I guess. But I think one of the problems authors could run into is not actually learning through a process 
like using AI for actual editing. Um, one of the best ways to get better as a writer is by doing the mundane, boring stuff, the assignments that your editor gives you. And so I'm like, I think that it could help a new author, but it will also make it make you take longer to learn how to write good books. And so I, I could see it being a crutch, but I could see it being useful as well. Um, Okay, so another thing that was mentioned in the article is whether it's ethical to use AI or not. And that is just, it's such a, it's such a can worm, can worm of, it's a worm of cans. No, I can't. (laughs) Can of worms. Yes, can of worms. (laughs) Brain, I tell you guys my brain fog. It's so bad, especially when it comes to word with word retrieval, which is something I've never been really great at. But okay, so that was asked of ChatGPT about, you know, the ethical, ethicalness. Anyway, so ChatGPT's answer was there's no one-size-fits-all answer to this question as the ethics of using AI to assist with writing will depend on a variety of factors, including the specific context in which the AI is being used and the expectations of the audience. One concern that might arise in the context of using AI to assist with writing is the issue of authorship and ownership of the work. If an AI system is significantly involved in the creation of a work, it could raise questions about who should be credited as the author. This is a complex issue that will depend on the specific roles and contributions of both the human and AI authors, and it may be necessary to carefully consider and address these issues as they arise. And it's weird to me, I have a hard time paying attention when listening to AI answers. I'm like, oh, it's not a real person. I don't need to pay attention. But I tried to pay attention during this, and it's just, I don't know. So what are your guys' thoughts on the ethical standpoint and how AI answered that? And answered it like a politician. <laughs> um, but what what I think is right and what's already happening aren't very similar. <laughs> I'm a little skeptical that there's going to end up being the kind of regulation or enforcement you'd hope for in regards to things like training these programs by using other people's copyrighted work. Uh, my personal view is that it would be okay to like feed it my stuff and let it generate based on that. But I'm not going to obviously especially why would I at this point in my career, but to go and ask it for a novel based on such a mashup of such and such author and such and such, and and then publish that, you know, I wouldn't do that, but I'm sure lots of people will. Yeah. So I think there's some pretty clear uh, ethical problems with AI in its current form. I've actually programmed some AI in the stuff in the past. And at present, pretty much all of AI is trained on publicly sourced information. And the overwhelming majority of that information is protected under copyright. Uh, it's an open question if the output of the AI is protected under fair use, like if you're allowed to use it under fair use. But it's inarguable that the, that the actual training model contains the actual original copyrighted stuff. And so that's a problem. Um, there's uh, multiple class action lawsuits aimed at at least two different AI art generators uh, from the creators of the original artwork. And a couple other lawsuits are aimed at people uh, who are doing text generation, like Associated Press, I think, is, is, is starting to take aim at that. The ethics of current AI are fraught, and most of the response I've seen from the AI creators boils down to, we know we didn't get permission to use the inputs, but... That would have been hard and expensive, so we didn't bother trying, and we're pretty sure it's not going to matter. Like, that's not the words they used, but that's the, the the thrust of what they were saying. And like I implied earlier, AI right now is basically a search engine. It scrapes the internet for other people's stuff and feeds it to you based upon your queries, which is exactly what a search engine does. The only difference is before it does that, AI boils it down to the structure and then builds it back up from that structure. But it's still other people's stuff at, at, at its heart. Uh, and remember when someone went remember when someone went through and rewrote five of my books and released them as their books 
And we all sort of agreed that that was a scummy thing to do and almost certainly a violation of my rights as a creator. That's what AI is doing. Like it's doing it in much smaller, much more, less identifiable pieces, but at its heart, that's what AI is doing. And um, that whole can't create new emotion and experience thing won't matter to people who just want to shovel zero effort spam into the marketplace. And that is, you know, that it is potentially criminally derivative of other people's stuff isn't going to matter to them either. So I think there's a whole lot of unanswered issues with uh, with AI ethics right now. Yeah, this is going to this is not going to be a cut and dry black and white thing. This is going to be something that we're going to be struggling with as a society for I like years I view, you know, a few years at least while all the bugs get worked out and the kinks get worked out and they might not get worked out. We might just all end up being very disappointed in how AI is used and how retailers allow it to be used. I mean, how are the retailers even going to be able to prove that a book was written using AI in the in the uh, form of such and such author, you know? I mean, Anyway, I just I have very mixed feelings on this. I haven't I haven't I haven't looked into it or read up or tried it enough to have formulated my own opinion other than I agree with Lindsay. Um what I think is going to actually happen and what I think is right are two different things and I also I also agree with her that like if I'm feeding it my own stuff and using it to help me with my own stuff then I'm okay with that, but most people are I don't know, like people I don't I think that a lot of ethics is something that has to be taught. And a lot of people don't naturally learn ethics in some cases. And so for a new writer, they're not going to be like, oh, well, write me a book in the style of JK Rowling mixed with Stephanie Meyer and use their, their writing. I don't know. I just, I don't think a lot of people, some people will approach that and think that's unethical. Um, But then again, those of us who've been doing this for a while, we will you know, and so I just, I just foresee this causing, it's just going to be a lot of turmoil and there's going to be a lot of drama. <laughs> like I hate drama. Yeah. And I don't think we're quite there yet where it's going to pass, you know, like I know, I don't remember which sci-fi magazine it was, Asimov's or one of those that had to cut off submissions because all of a sudden they're getting so many stories submitting that were generated by AI and presumably they could tell which ones were, um, but yeah, it, it's going to be tough going forward because it's going to get better. And, and we'll have to figure it out. And it's tough because ethics are kind of high. I mean, they shouldn't be, but they're kind of high on Maslow's pyramid of needs. Like people are more ethical when their needs are met and they're, you know, okay in the world. Whereas if you're scrub, you're scrambling and just trying to make some money uh, and you really need to feed the kids, maybe it, it's a grayer line. And then also it's, it depends on culture and country too. Like we may outlaw stuff in the U S Europe may, and other countries are going to be like, Nope, that's fine. So you know, we'll see. It's going to be, I think at some point it's going to be hard for the retailers to tell. Uh, so, which is, I just planning for it to be something we have to deal with going forward as authors. Yep, exactly. Which is why I was like, ugh, I hate drama, but there's going to be drama. <laughs> and and I just, I, I can see it becoming an issue where authors who are like me and don't adopt new technology easily will all of a sudden feel like, oh, dang it, I should have done something with this a long time ago, right? I mean, that I was one of the last people in my family to get a smartphone. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know. We'll just see what happens. Um, anyway, so I know this is fairly early in the general applicableness of AI, but what are your thoughts in AI on AI in general, where it comes to authors and our future careers? So, so basically, just basically how you how you think this is going to affect you moving forward, and whether you'll use it in your business or not. 
And I'm just going to answer first because mine is a fairly short answer. But as of right now, the only thing I plan to use AI for is possibly writing descriptions and ad copy. Uh, Though I have gotten a little bit of ideas from listening to Lindsay. (laughs) I'm like, hmm, I'm tired of writing kissing scenes, (laughs) which are pretty big in in romance, just like battle scenes are big in fantasy, you know, but I don't know. We'll see. I'm interested in in to see if if having AI help with descriptions and ad copy will relieve my stress in those areas because even when I'm hiring it out, I still stress about it. Um, but this topic is so far from my mind right now that I probably will forget all about it when it comes down to it when I have my next book written, just because that's just the way my brain is. I'm not a huge adopter of new technology, which I regret a lot sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not an early adopter. I'm usually the next one on the curve, early majority or something like that. Joe thinks it's Clark's world. That sounds right. I remember reading about it, but it's been so long since I submitted a short story to one of the pro sci-fi magazines that I don't even know which ones are still out there. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, I think we can come up with a lot of good uses for it. You know, we touched on that already, how it can be helpful for authors as tools. And I do think that the, you know, the people that learn how to use it really well are going to have jobs in the future. So you know, let's keep that in mind that, you know, can make the prompts and, and really come up with some incredible stuff. And, you know, I don't, like I said, I don't think we're there right now where we have to worry about it too much uh, as a, as a fully functional novel. that's like a really uh, decent read, but I, like I said, I don't think it's going to be that long because, you, like I said, if you give it a sucky prompt, like a real sim- simple prompt, you're going to get a sucky story. But I think when you start getting more nuanced with your prompts, you can get a much improved product. And when you can get a whole novel with the click the button, you can go through a lot of iterations quickly to improve it. So all you have to do, too, is look at some of the things that are on the bestseller list now. I'm sure we all have this experience that you've downloaded and the, the errors and the grammar and everything are not very good to get a feel for how not picky, how unpicky the average reader may be. So I, you know, I think that what it's going to mean for us, for those who are in the business or want to stay in the business as creators, as authors, is that that 1000 true fans paradigm is going to be more important than ever. Uh, A lot of people have made careers, made a lot of money by writing to market, by writing this stuff that's gets devoured by a large masses of people and that's like X trope and Y genre. And there's always going to be readers who just, that's what they're going to pick up. Maybe they like certain authors, but for the general, they want to see the thing that they like carried out. And I think those are going to be the buyers eventually of AI written fiction, eventually. And so we're going to have to find the people who are willing to expend a little more effort to make sure they, they want to support a human, <laughs> you know, and they're willing to come to your Patreon, Kickstarter, your website, you know, sign up for your newsletter and take the extra time. Maybe, maybe you don't want to sell on Amazon or only on Amazon and they'll pay more to get the books early or something like that's what I do with my Patreon. And they're willing to take that extra step of downloading it via book funnel uh, instead of just having it automatically appear on their device. Those are the people that who are, who are your true fans who are going to support you. So I think that, and it's always been this way, you really need to focus on trying to find those people and cultivate them. Some of it is just the more books you sell, the more people like that you're going to find. But you have to realize that it's only going to be a small percentage of people that are willing to do that. A lot of people are just like, eh, maybe if you have a new release on Amazon, they'll get it. And I think those are the going to be the ones that are less <laughs> uh, dedicated to caring. They just want to be entertained. Um, I, you know, this is, I guess, my theme for this show is just I'm watching. <laughs> I'm going to try to have a plan in case for if I need to pivot. 
Um, yeah, so I think that AI is going to be devastating for a lot of uh, shorter form writing. Um, novels will be a little bit further along the line, but uh, I think it's going to be devastating for a lot of illustration jobs. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of devastation. <laughs> like I'm, I'm nervous. Uh, well, I don't remind, I don't mind interacting with it as a toy. Uh, and I might use it for like things that will be consumed by an algorithm, like ad copy and stuff like that. Uh, I, I don't want it to get anywhere near my actual output of my author career because like, I, you know, let's put it this way. A anything created by a computer, like wholly by a computer under our current copyright system cannot be copyrighted. It just starts out public domain. And that's the, that's the case uh, currently. Uh, so if I don't want any proportion of my creative output to potentially be uncopyrightable. I want to be able to own it. Uh, there was famously a, a comic that was created entirely. All the visuals were created with an AI. It was given a copyright, which was then taken away. And now it was given a new copyright that says that the words are copyrighted and the curation of the images are copyrighted, but the images themselves aren't like until new precedent is set, Anything created by an AI without substantial revision by a human being cannot be owned by anyone. And uh, I think that's a problem, even if the ethics were perfect. So AI, uh, you know, there's going to be new law in the next five years that will, that will make more decisions about how AI will be used by me and others. Yeah. And also, I mean, I don't, I just don't see how using AI to write a novel is satisfying. I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's It's like the people who who was it was it joe or Lindsay was just saying one of you was saying that you know the the books that are just the drivel that people just throw out there and that isn't edited well and that people do read um i i foresee authors that are okay with doing that where they're just like throwing stuff out that they really don't take i mean they just don't care about you know they don't put any sense of accomplishment or their feelings towards which are the majority of our listeners are not, do not fall in that camp, but I can see that authors would, would feel that way and be okay with using AI. But to me, writing is just such a cathartic thing when I'm, when I'm in that zone and I'm not stressed and I'm not pushing myself to do it, it writing, it, it's like, it, it cleanses me in a way. It just makes me feel better. And so I don't see how using AI could achieve that, you know? And, and Joe makes a really great co comment or great point. Sorry about the, the copyright issue, you know, anyway, so I'm just going back and forth. I probably won't use AI. Just like I said, I'll probably forget all about it by the time I'm writing my next book. But, um, anyway, I don't know. Let's go ahead and go and talk about news guys. If you guys are okay with that. Okay. So I'll go first really fast, but most of my news happen in the sections above. Uh, but basically there's nothing really to report where actual writing is concerned. And then I did mention my book signing taking place in Montpelier, Idaho on April 15th. And I've also been invited to present at the Idaho's, uh, at Idaho's writers conference. And, um, as an FYI for our listeners, my topic is one of my topics for one of my presentations is what one thing would you attribute your success to? And I'm going to be reaching out to a bunch of authors that we've had on the show and asking them that question and wanting them to give me their knee jerk response, not something that's like super in depth. I just want to hear what their, the first thing that pops into their mind is basically. And then they can expound on that if they choose. So, but so I'll be re reaching out a bunch of our, um, previous guests from the show, um, asking that question. So don't be surprised if I reach out to you, I'm not going to reach out to everybody just because I have limited time and my presentation will be limited as well. But anyway, and we're also thinking about doing a podcast episode where, and we discussed the answers to that questions. So I don't know guys, those, that's all I have literally for my news. <laughs> Are we doing a podcast on that? Oh, okay. <laughs> 
Um, no big news here. I was on the Creative Pen podcast recently, so you can get some more of me there if you're uh, so desire. You probably already listened to that one. I feel like if anybody listens to writing podcasts, they subscribe to that one. But if not, I, I had to come up early March. Uh, so yeah, check it out. Um, so I was on the Blades and Blasters podcast uh, I just a few days ago. It's going to come out next month. So there's that. Um, also, again, I'll just repeat, I'm currently doing the Story Bundle. So head over to Story Bundle if you want to read some comics. And also, I recently went to a, a sci-fi meetup in Upper Saddle River and talked for two hours with, with aficionados of, of sci-fi. So that's those are those are my exciting news elements. Upper Saddle River or something? What did you? What was it? Upper Saddle River is a place in New Jersey. Oh, cool! Please say, please say, New Jersey. <laughs> New Jersey. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. All right. Well, I think that's everything for this episode, right, guys? You guys done? We all done? We're yep. done. We actually kept it to about an hour, so good job, yeah. all. Yeah, good job, us. Okay, so thank you everyone for listening. Uh, you can find the show notes for this episode and all of our previous episodes at sixfigureauthors.com with the number six. And yeah, we'll talk to you all later. Bye. Bye, everyone. So long, everybody.